everybody, and welcome to the Legendarium Green Team. Today I have with me Era Dandis. Hello. And I also have The Solution. Hello, everyone. I'm Chesky, and today we are going to be talking about Uncrowned, the seventh book in the Cradle series by Will White. So uh, I'll give a recap, but first, before that, just did you like this book? Yes or no? I, of course, am a yes. I, I did enjoy this book. Solution, I assume you're also a yes? Yes, of course. Definitely a yes. All right. And Aerodandis, how do you feel about this book? It was good. It was, it was good. Fine. We'll take it. <laughs> That's good. So to recap what happens in this book, at the end of, of the last book, Lyndon was chosen to be part of the Akura family team rather than the Black Flame team. He is taken with the Akuras to do some high-intensity training which consists of him getting beat up by everybody until he figures out how to beat them over and over again, and basically working himself to death. They meet up at the tournament, they compete in four events, and then we're left on like one of the bigger cliffhangers in this series, in my opinion. And, and that's the book, and we'll talk about all four events in detail, of course. So, did I, was that a good enough recap? Did I miss anything? I think you're good. Was, uh, like you said, we're going to get into it. But this is the basic structure we'll kind of follow, so that's cool. Yeah. Space Cop does not actually make an appearance, or Space Doctor does not make an appearance, but Space Cop does. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we see Orthos heading back to uh, Sacred Valley. Yeah. Finally, we get a little more Sacred Valley, which is nice. Not not too Final. much more than what we got at the end of last book, so not really too much more to guess or speculate or do anything as far as that's concerned, but it is nice to see more of uh, Kelsen and Orthos. Mm-hmm. That's true. So, let's see. What were some of your favorite scenes? Um, Eridandis, what was one of your favorites? I'm going to pick two, kind of like an overall thing. Mm-hmm. One, what, one was at the beginning. Um, are you guys familiar with uh, the anime uh, One Punch Man? Yes. Slightly, yeah. So, there's a scene where um, the, the apprentice in One Punch Man wants to uh, test out his true power and his master's true power, right? So... Uh, he's going all out, and his master is barely paying attention. He wants to go eat. So he's, like, casually blocking stuff and kind of, like, not paying any attention at all, right? And then the apprentice gets really, really upset and says, come on, give it your best shot. And so then you see One Punch Man, who he's always, uh, like, uh, characterized, like, thick and cartoon figure. He kind of looks really goofy. And... You know, he kind of gets really serious, and then you see he becomes really well-defined. You see a really, like, like the really scary-looking superhero, and he goes and punches them, and then you see this big picture of, it just says, death, with, like, that one punch coming at, <laughs> coming at the apprentice, right? Yeah. That was, uh, um, about? The, that was the Yaren and Ithan fight scene, where mm-hmm. Ithan's just goofing off, goofing off. Oh, you want me to be serious? Here's death. And you know, it's like, oh, I need to practice a lot more. So like, yeah. like I take that. it back. I like that scene a lot. So. Yeah, it's a good scene. <laughs> so um, great yeah, scene. Yeah. So Google that 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 image, or Google that that scene from One Punch Man, and then uh, it's called Geno Saitama Fight, and then read that scene. It it makes it so much better. Um, and then the other one is um, I'm gonna do another old callback. Google, you're the best Karate Kid. And there's a montage scene uh, where there's a song called You're the Best with Karate Kid fighting through the tournament and kind of winning different fights and other people winning different fights. And that's kind of the trials where Lyndon was kind of going, going through the trials. That song kept on playing in my head over and over. So that, those are my two favorite kind of. Uh, yeah, those are good. 
That's a that's a good uh good soundtrack on your head. It's gonna be stuck in mind now. I actually didn't think of it as like a, a light moment when he's training. I figured he was more like kind of depressed. He's away from Yaren and Ethan and Mercy, and he just he's not bathing, which is pretty funny. He's not taking care of himself in hygiene. And Charity was like, you know, we need to get this kid to uh, to shower at least. Yeah. Um. I liked I liked all of the book, of course. Um. One of my favorites is when Lyndon is being measured by Akura Justice, and Akura's like, okay, here's you know, here's this this problem. You know, if you could solve this in, in a year, you know, I'd be amazed. And he solves it in a few seconds, and then he's like, I'm gonna measure your lifeline, and he's like, yeah, okay. And then it's like, no, it's just gonna dim and. If it dims too fast, you're out. And he's like, that just keeps getting brighter and brighter. <laughs> and, and then afterwards, Charity comes to Akira Justice, and uh, Akira Justice says what everybody says. He's a monster. Like, he's just a physical like embodiment of strength and a power, but he's very untrained. So uh, that's one of my favorites. That's a good scene. I like that as well. So uh, so do you have another one? Oh, one of my... Okay, one of my favorites. We'll start with this. Ethan bothering Northstrider. Because we know how Ethan is. And he's just needling away at a monarch who instantly just like basically teleports him to another side of the city. And Ethan's like, okay, I got my senses. I know what to do. I'm just going to walk right back to him. <laughs> and that's where we leave him in the scene. Where he's just going to keep bothering a monarch. That's a fun scene. Um, let's see. That is a uh, fun scene. The last one I have is Lyndon. Because I, I, a lot of them I liked what you guys said. Lyndon saving Nyan Blackflame and Nyan's last words for the dragon advances. That was a nice that was a nice touch. I like that. That was a, a sad scene. I didn't I mean I didn't like it. But yeah, yeah. I liked the story. I wasn't know, it was, cheering, but yeah. <laughs> it was a good scene that, and I really enjoyed I, it. I'll I'll give you that one. That was a good scene because it kind of it reinforces, you know, the the core tenets for for the black flame path to Lyndon. Mm-hmm. So I like that. We get to see a hint of Orthos too that we haven't seen. Well, right. So it's nice. Well, and and uh, I don't think Lyndon realizes it now, but he gave Nyan enough of himself that Nyan was able to like make those choices that mm-hmm. that led to his death. But he did it, you know, being free and then communicating that message to to Lyndon. So I I agree with you. That was a good scene. So. Mm-hmm. That's yes, all I that, got on my favorites. That's all you got on your favorites? Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's see. Um, I liked when Orthos was talking with Lyndon's sister. And he's like, if Lyndon were here, he saw what was going on. He would destroy everybody. <laughs> and his sister's like, well, you know, if Lyndon was so much higher, wouldn't he be weaker just like you're weaker? And Orthos is like, I stand by what I said. Like, I'm not going to take it back. Yeah. And I just thought, you know, that's true. Lyndon, even if he was lowered back down to a jade, his path is so offensive, yeah. it probably wouldn't matter that much more. And and he'd be going in with a full knowledge that I'm going to just kill all these people. Right. Not like the sword sage where he's trying to, you know, be nice at the beginning. So We also got to remember that, like the sword sage and all that stuff, what do, like their, their what is it, their cores, how big they are, what their capabilities are. Mm-hmm. How much does that get affected by the Sacred Valley Curse? Like, when Lyndon has two cores, are they going to both be cut down to half of that? Or whatever the equivalent is to Jade in that scenario? But I don't I don't know. I don't know. 
if he has a unique advantage or a come back to the sword sage later because i have a theory after having read this well we haven't really jumped into the other parts yet if you want to you can get into it now okay um i don't think he's dead oh you don't think after after reading this book i don't think he's dead um and the reason i say that is because look it's clear his power level dropped i don't think that's a question so i think my going theory going into uncrowned is that his power level dropped. He wasn't prepared for it. He got, he basically got surprised and got, he got toasted. Okay. Um, <clears throat> after this, I don't think that's what happened after uncrowned. I don't think that that is what happened. Uh, because Yaren, um, throughout the course of the book, you know, there's this, or she, t- there's a mention that she touches the icon, touches the icon. Right. Yeah. And Especially I the think end. we're right. And I think we're supposed to be led to believe that she is getting a connection to becoming uh, the next sword sage. Right. I think that's what, that, that's kind of like what they're trying to communicate. I'm getting the impression of that the, uh, the icon is person himself. To me, that's how I'm interpreting it. So okay. I think she's reaching out and that the sword sage is still actually alive. And I that like he this. faked his own death because that's the only way Yaren was going to be able to advance and become her true self. That's my going theory. How do you guys like it? All right. So, so here's what we got. Here's what we got. Okay. So like he's saying, <laughs> he's saying that okay, the sword sage is alive. I like it. But we also know that you can only have one sage of any icon in Cradle World at one time. So maybe that's why Yaren can't be the sage right now is because the sword sage is still alive somewhere, and she can't fully manifest the icon. That's why she's getting hints and, and little uh, drops of it. Okay, that's pretty cool. No, I don't. That that leaves a lot of other weird questions around. Whose remnant did she like join with? Then did oh. she? Her master just happened to find a sword remnant that had all of his memories. Well, I mean, maybe got, he could have done something weird, but uh, I don't. For that so. point, you got to remember, Jai Daisho had a remnant that was passable, and he was just an underlord. This is a sage. I definitely think he could find a remnant. That would be perfect for Lin, uh, for Yaren. Sorry. When did Jai Dai Show have a remnant that was passable? Because he died for Ithan, and he used his little thing, and he had a remnant stored away inside that Ithan killed, and that's why Ithan thought you're definitely okay. dead because he killed a remnant. That was that passable. part is true. I thought that was more of just like a wild remnant or a remnant of another underlord no. from his he, clan that he had captured or something yeah he harnessed that remnant and saved it for when he fake died so that's why i think maybe maybe arizona something i like this i like this idea okay right. may, may, may i say soul space memory construct i'll yeah. leave it at that <laughs> okay. okay okay well while we're talking about sacred valley and going over there um i wanted to talk about the the plans that they're kind of making to try and kill the monarchs or the the monarchs are making to try and kill the dread gods again Mm -hmm. so basically the plan is lure all the monarch all the dread gods to sacred valley and defeat them there which according to linden's vision we know most likely doesn't go well or the monarch the dread gods are just you know destroying them before they were getting attacked but they talk about the security measures on the maze will lower the dread god's ability and i'm like yeah. well is the maze is usually pretty synonymous with labyrinth so is there a difference between the maze and the labyrinth where the maze is maybe something different but still connected to it because 
why would they have to go to Sacred Valley otherwise? Couldn't they go to any of the other labyrinth openings that are closer to where the Dread Gods are sleeping, you know, and do that? I don't okay. know. Uh, is, that, is that a yeah. Raffo solution? Well, that's where I'm going to Raffo myself, because I think I'm like 80% sure that we got, there's information in Uncrown that I want to talk about. But I know there's a, a slightly more in Bloodline, I'm sorry, in Winter Winter's Steel that I don't want to accidentally spoil. So I'm just going to Raffo it. Next episode, we can definitely talk more about this. Chesky, I I like where your head's at. Um, I'm going to say the maze is part of the labyrinth, but they're calling it the maze because it also has a specific thing in it. My guess is it has maybe like the Lord of all dread gods. It has something, it's it's containing something much more powerful than than the dread gods. So I'm I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. I just think they call it the maze because it contains something else. Right. And I like that too. I just, you know, why does only one maze entrance or one labyrinth entrance have this overly powerful security measure of weakening everyone? I don't know, but we know it does. So I guess we'll find out in the next book. <laughs> All right. So um, let's talk about just uh, some least favorite scenes, and then we'll kind of talk about the tournament and space cop scenes. How's that okay. sound for you guys? It does sound good. Okay, uh, let's see. My least favorite scene, obviously, Nine Black Flame dying. I did not oh. like that scene. Um, I did not particularly enjoy the the crown hunting scenes with okay. Pride, but they were good. I'm not. Don't get me wrong. They're just not my favorites. And the obviously the reveal of the fourth round fight. I did not yeah. like the reveal. I liked I everything that happened afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, Eric, what about you? What were some of your least favorites? Well, can, can I go back to your scene? Um, yeah. uh, oh, yeah, you of mentioned course. That, you, you mentioned Akura Pride. Um, every time like Akura Pride came on screen, until the end where we got a little bit more uh, about like uh, about his motivations, mm-hmm. every time Akura Pride came on, after we kind of had the initial introduction to him, in my head, it was... Um, in my head, I kept on shouting, Leroy Jenkins, every time Akura Pride showed up, because yeah. he was just running in every fight. Just the, everybody else was, let's make a plan. Let's do this, this, this. He's, like, Pride nope. just He's gone. He's so, already gone. You're like, we, yep. we weren't paying attention. He's already there. So we got to jump in. So, uh, yeah. So anyway, so uh, just, just another humorous thing that I, uh, in my mind, that's what, <sighs> that's what I, that's how I envision Akura Pride. Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah, very true. So uh, least favorite scenes. I'm gonna make it more of a literary criticism than than least favorite scenes. Okay. Um, I'll spoiler this just in case because it's spoiler in the book, even though I don't think it should be a spoiler. Uh, the angler, uh, when the angler is brought up at the beginning of the book, you know that she's a thief. You know that that somehow there's some type of a, a angle where her and Mackiel have um, some type of tension opposition to each other. And then later on near the end of the book, again, spoiler, fast forward 30 seconds, um, you find out that she's a a brochure, a brochure. Mm -hmm. There's no reason in terms of the plot of the book for that to have been revealed later. And actually, if it were revealed earlier, it provides more context and better context for the tensions between the brochure and the Abadan had it been presented earlier. Because now you know, okay, the angler is now in direct opposition to the Abadan, and that she's a thief in terms of trying to take the Abadan's power and not just for herself. It becomes a much more textured and layered 
um, reading when the brochure reveal is added earlier as opposed to later. That's criticism one. Criticism two, I'm going to go back to Ghostwater. I'm sorry, guys. Whoa, um, whoa. Let's not hate on a book we're wait, not talking about. Wait, okay. wait, 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 right, wait, okay, wait, okay. wait, 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 Uncrowned is split into two two parts. One is the training montage, the training scenes where mm -hmm. Lyndon is kind of learning, you know, getting more skilled. And the right. second part is the fight, you know, fight in the tournament or the first part of the tournament. In my opinion, had that first half of the book been combined with Ghostwater, Ghostwater would have been a much better book. For yeah. example, for example, he's eating, he's training, he's doing all that, but to break through to the next part, he has to become more skilled and fight to break through that. In other words, so if the first part of Uncrowned had been combined with Ghostwater, I think it would have been a much Ghostwater A would have been a much stronger book and B it would have made the reveal and Underlord much more meaningful. Yeah. In my opinion, the way it was set up and then that would have left Uncrowned where you could have just spent much more time dwelling on each of these trials that lead up to the rounds of 64 and 32, et cetera. So, in my opinion, those are my two. Those are my two criticisms. They're not really scenes, but these are things that that kind of really stuck out to me in ways that the books could have been better handled. I think those are very valid points that you've made and criticisms, and yeah, you know that's fine. So, I think um, I think that's a good point. If Lyndon had found that library in the Ghostwater in that first building, or something like that. And he was stuck there for a couple weeks, and he's practicing that with his new little dream water thing that he's not sleeping at all. Orthos is guiding him through the, the basic stuff. That'd have been kind of cool. I think maybe he decided not to do that because he wanted that. He pushed it back to where he's interacting with Zeal. And then at that point, he was too rushed to really do anything as far as that. I'm not trying to defend him. I just think that's maybe what he was trying to think of. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. Least favorite scenes for me? Yeah. It's very similar. The fourth round surprise matchup. And it's not necessarily that I didn't want to see Linden and Yaren fight each other because I like when you put two teams that are the same together like that. It was mostly that they're going first, so now this invalidates the other seven fights that everybody's like, oh, it's just going to be surprised, so you don't know who. It's just for these people, they thought they did, so they're the only ones that got tricked. And then it also shows that the Monarchs are definitely rigging the game. This is the concrete evidence of that say right beforehand that uh this was pre-planned by him and you know he's not rigging the fights and north strider really doesn't <laughs> seem to be the kind of guy who cares about right. what other monarchs are doing as far as monarch level he seems to be the highest monarch or at least uh, the one that everybody else kind of defers to well i don't, he's I don't think he's smart. the highest yeah i think he's the smartest i don't go with solution he yeah he is the smartest I'd say maybe Emerus is the only one that may be smarter, but she doesn't really care. She's mostly focused on, like, kind of world peace. <laughs> so, you know. But for the most part, I think they're very close in power level, because they're all still monarchs, except maybe the Empire 8, or 8-man Empire. Sorry. Worm is a little throwing me off there, because it's very close to a name and Worm. Yeah, you know, it is. Uh, um, that's yeah. fine. So Okay, now... Okay. Uh, wait, wait, I'm sorry. So uh, we just mentioned monarchs. I want to say that, mm -hmm. that at least... My previous theories on monarchs have been dead wrong. Um, apparently, you can. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use this as a term of art because apparently that's the way it's used in the book. When okay. you ascend, ascend seems to be a term of art. You somehow transform. You become your body changes. You become immortal. Kind of all these things. And 
it's a voluntary choice that even monarchs can do. So we still haven't learned why monarchs are choosing not to ascend, but apparently you can ascend before you're a monarch. So we learned that as well. So I want to kind of like bring that up as there's another piece of the puzzle and that my, at least my going theory was completely off. So we'll definitely get into it more in the next book, but even in this book, we still get confirmation slowly that the monarchs, the people who decide to become a monarch and stay on cradle are not the type of people that want to ascend because they want to stay in the sandbox that they're now the rulers of. They don't want to go. Yeah. And, And since you mentioned cradle, um, so I thought we got some, I know we're kind of diverging a little bit from the main part of the story. This goes more sort of the Abaddon no, stuff, good. but I did find this interesting. There's a brief mention about Cradle's importance, and it flashed me over to another series, which is, by the way, nothing <laughs> like Cradle, but still a really good series. You should give it a try. It's called the Dorsai series. Uh, it's written by Gordon R. Dixon. And the okay. reason I bring it up is it's a sci-fi book. And you have Earth, which is a normal like planet, and then you have these planets that are called splinter worlds where people kind of train in certain specialties. Well, one planet specialty, Dorsai, is a warrior culture. And so they are the epitome, the mm. maximum level of, of warriors that this universe can produce, not just physically, but also mentally. That's what Cradle is to this universe. They're yeah. the ones who are most likely to produce the war. We now learn Cradle is the Cradle for the warriors. The, the, the... Right. Yes, yeah, that Cradle is the, yeah. uh, the, is the, the breeding warrior. ground of the warriors of the yes. Abaddon. Which is, that's yes, okay. that's what the I, Abaddon wants. They, they want, yeah. because so many people from the Abaddon are from Cradle, they use that as, like you said, the breeding grounds. They still take from other, like we know Serial isn't, that's confirmed. She's not from Cradle, but we know Osriel is one of the most powerful. Yeah. So. Yeah, they do well, talk and, about that, that a lot more come from Cradle than other worlds. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I will say that does, at least to me, from a reader's perspective, at least give me some comfort where I'm like going, oh, so there's a reason that, that the Cradle cradle civilization is so brutal. There's a reason why it might mix right. There's a reason for all this. It's because they're trying to make it a breeding ground for the warrior. So I do like that in terms of world building. I'll say this to plug his other series. We have the Elder Empire series, which I think I may have mentioned before. Also takes place in um, this cradle, not cradle specifically, but the universe of the way. It's an iteration. I think it's called Asylum. And then there's another, his first series, the Traveler's Gate series. Also not as brutal. A little bit more brutal, but not as brutal. All again, takes a, uh, takes away in some other iteration. So... They're just not as recruited as much as Cradle. Yeah. All right. Let's let's tangent back to the tournament for a second, and then we'll tangent back to Space Cop, Space Doctor kind of things that are going on. So okay. the tournament trials. Round one is okay. basically a series of, I don't remember if exactly, but I figured it was kind of like 50 to 100 tests, some mental, some, mental, some physical. Right. The second round, and that's on an individual basis. Then the second round is a team fight, uh, grab the crowns, kind of last man standing, king of the hill style fight, king of the hill style fight. And then round three, team fights, team versus team. And then round four, back to individual fights, single knockout. Did you guys, how did you guys feel about the tests first? I mean, did you think any of them were good, bad, smart, funny? What are your thoughts? The placement test, I liked it. 
I thought it was a good, uh, when you have over 100, and I think they did like, what, 128, because they kind of tried to narrow it down to where you could keep dividing by two. I think it was 128 or something like that. I thought it was cool, uh, interesting, and it, you know, it gave something for everybody to kind of shine at, so it was cool. Yeah. Era, how do you feel about the test of the tournament so far? My favorite part is Typhon deliberately gaming the system. That, that was my favorite part of it. He's sandbagging. Is that like, He's, yeah. You know, <laughs> A hundred percent. I'm gonna like. Oh, I need to be in the top sixty-four. I'll be sixty-three, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I need to be in the top thirty-two. I'll be thirty-one. I mean, it's just he's just very deliberately doing that. And then I like it that he, when he, it's time for him to get a reward, I'm just gonna keep on asking for stuff until you tell me no. Yeah. I mean, so so uh, from a gamer's perspective, that's a, that that's the way to do it, buddy. So exactly. I mean, I'm I'm a hundred like I'm on board with Ivan. While we're on this topic, just because this is a, a prediction I want from actually both of you now, because Chesky is is now the newbie. I am now the last. I'm the the last one. I'm the leader now. Here, here. Okay. So all right, you get to host the next one. Sure. That's what you heard. Okay, <laughs> sounds good to me. I, I heard the same thing. So. Yeah. All right. So why is Ethan min maxing this cloud? What do you guys think? Oh. I think it's just because he wants to get as much out of it as he can. You know, he sees the potential to get a lot of benefit, and he's just taking advantage of it. Okay. I agree, but I also think that he is not trying to win the Uncrowned Tournament. His goal is not to win the tournament. His goal is to maximize the the things that he does plan on getting, and Mm -hmm. his goal is to leave the planet. So I think when when the hound comes and says at the end, hey, you guys want to get off? You see how his eyes narrow, and they're talking about penance, and I think we're supposed to meant to believe that Ithan's going to be going after that one monarch who took out his monarch. Yeah, Reagan Shen. Reagan Shen. Yeah, Reagan Shen. I, think, I think in reality, there may be a tension there, but I think in reality, Ithan's like, this is the chance. I, my void marble told me to get off the planet. This is, the ch- this is what I've been working for. Mm-hmm. That's my theory. Yeah. So that's oh, why I, I think he's doing this. I agree with the the wanting to advance, but I I think you're right that he wasn't planning on winning, right, or trying to win. I think he was just going to go for you know uh, right before the uncrowned, the final eight gets selected. But I think he might try and go all the way now that he has a, a surefire way, a hundred percent kill for Raigen Shen, yep. who killed penance. his monarch with penance. I think I think he's going to go for it. whether he gets it. I don't know, <laughs> but he's going to go for it. Well, and the one, and you know, Chesky, you you may be right. Um, and I'll say this over the what we've learned over the course of the last seven books, and particularly this book, in my opinion, there's exactly one underlord left in the tournament that can beat Ivan. Only one. Yeah, that would be Yaren. You don't think you don't think uh, not even close. So far, in the Toth, the the gold dragon could beat Ethan. I would be shocked. I would be shocked because whenever. Whenever Ethan goes all out, whenever he goes all out, like whoever he's facing is like meat. They're they're toast. He's gone all out twice, and both times the person did, it wasn't even close. They didn't even have a chance, and they got mm-hmm. wiped out. The Redmond Hall guy and Jai Dai Show. I mean, when Ethan went all out, they were toast. All right. Before before we move on, because we're on the predictions anyways for the tournament with Ethan, I just got want you guys one more thing to remember. You have a monarch that is lowering themselves to Underlord right now. Mm-hmm. And what are your thoughts on that? 
it's never not gone well. So you know, <laughs> uh-huh. okay. I, I'm pretty sure that that uh, Shamiara will accidentally break her underlord status and go back to monarch strength, invalidating her either okay. in the middle of a fight or not, and then she'll be out. Gotcha. Well, I mean, I would say that her. I mean, first of all, her Madra is ridiculously overpowered, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, royal Madra. Yeah, we're like, oh, well, I can take over other people's Madra and make you do whatever I want. Stop hitting yourself, right? I mean, it's just it's yeah. ridiculous. But the one power that can probably counteract it is just pure Madra, just washing it clean, washing it clean, right? So if those two have to face each other, I think if they face each other in relatively the same strength, she's going to have to break out of the Underlord level to actually be able to beat Iken. Yeah. Okay, I like. And that. by the way, since we're, ta- I'm sorry. I just want to say, since since we're talking about like the tournament itself, look, we've only seen him twice, but he's one of my favorite side characters. I do want to see more of ZL. I mean, yes. I I you will. enjoy. You'll get more. I love the trope. I, I like. I it, I know it's a trope. I know mm-hmm. it's supposed to. I know what it's supposed to be. I know it's supposed to go. Oh, whatever. I I I'm a sucker for that trope every time, and I love the way he's presented in the books. That's yeah, good. I have zeal school. I have one more hot take prediction for okay. the near end of the tournament. Okay. I think, like I said earlier, that Shamiara will do something and get herself disqualified, right? Yeah. Because she's a monarch playing an underlord. Mm-hmm. And I think that might be an in for Linden. That mo- oh. uh, that North Strider might say, "Hey, you broke the rules in the middle of the fight. You know, you went to monarch status and you shouldn't have." Or she accidentally kills somebody else and she's just dejected. He's like, all right, well, I need eight people. And mm-hmm. Lyndon is the one that I felt did the strongest performance of fight, you know, of fighting versus mm-hmm. Garen. So he'd be kind of like that that sub eight, right? You know, he's like he's like he your did, sub yeah. for the final eight, and he makes it in by the skin of his teeth. The Maybe second round pick I don't know. In. I hope okay. I hope Interesting. so. I, I love that. I love that. But here's my hot take is that a, so we know that Lyndon's our main character, so we know that he's always got to have some kind of, type of special like thing that, that he gets, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he failed. He failed at the Uncrowned Tournament, right? I mean, mm-hmm. and that's the one thing that goes through his mind, that he's happy that Yiren won, but he really thought in his heart of hearts he would beat Yiren, and he didn't, right? They went all out, and Yiren was just better, right? And let's tie that back into what we learned in Underlord. Mm-hmm. He's all, I'm never good enough. I'm always like, I always need to struggle to be more and more and more. This is his end. I, I think in Winter Steel, this is where Lyndon becomes a sage. Like, to me, this is where he's going to become a sage. He's going to become a sage. Was it two levels what? too early? A sage right? of worthlessness? Well, like, um, no, uh, like a sage of like power or strength or something like that. Okay. Like, okay. He's got like, it's, I keep on going back to the unsold icon that we got that he got at the beginning, you know, and I think it's, it's something revolving around that. That's that's where I think Lyndon's going. Um, maybe he does get back into the tournament, and my theory is completely wrong. But yeah. I'm going to go into the theory that he doesn't make it back into the tournament, and that mm-hmm. he somehow has to go through another trial himself and become like a sage. Yeah, I did. Okay, I did want to say it's not technically his first loss. It's like his first loss. Since he has Dross, right? Yeah. But he did. Yeah, he did go all out against Jai Daisho or Jai Long, mm-hmm. and still lose. lose. Yeah. But that was, you know, much earlier, much less practice, much less 
the ability for himself to be like, yeah, I can fight, and I knew I'm strong. He knew he was going to lose going into it. Yeah, I would say but the, it, against Jai Long, it was it, there was a disparity in power. Like mm-hmm. in in Uncrowned, he was against the same power level. Like yeah. the restrictions were off. He could go all out. He was unencumbered by anything. And if there was a restriction, it applied to both of them. And he went all out. Like mm-hmm. after he had that little moment where he was like, oh, I can't fight Yaren and I'm just going to kind of like be a little wuss. Then yeah. he kind of got, he kind of got into it. And I want to talk about that. Um, he went all out and he lost. Look, he yeah. just, he was not good enough. Yaren was mm-hmm. just better. Period. That's, full stop. Yeah. I agree. I agree that she was just better in this instance. That's fine. So, uh, what did you want to talk about with about that their fight? Just that uh, if he'd have started fighting from the get go, he might have done better. Or oh, no? I, I definitely think so. But that's not his personality. I, we know that that's yeah. not Lyndon. Uh, here's what I would say: I, I'm on Team Yaren when it comes to uh, fighting. Like, come out with like a um, better. Um, let me stop and rephrase. Let's full, let me scratch all that and start again. Okay. Whenever in my in my line of work, um, like you know, I compete with other people all the time, right? And so somebody who may be my ally and working with me in one case, I may be exactly on the opposite sides with them on another case, right? Um, my job is to go all out a hundred percent against the other side, no matter who is representing them, right? Mm-hmm. So even though the person on the other side may be my friend outside of a courtroom or our kids may be the best of friends outside the courtroom or like we're supposed to go out for dinner that night when we're in the courtroom i am trying to rip rip his metaphorical head off right i'm trying to win right mm-hmm. as long as i'm playing by the rules the chips fall where they may and i'm expecting the same thing from the other side so if somebody is trying to sandbag me or trying to not do their best that really i mean look don't do me any favors because you're my friend Protect right. your client and do your job. No, so I'm a hundred percent on team year and that like, look, no one's going to die. Give it your best period. Right. We know that so. that's definitely her personality, but we know Lyndon, the whole book, he was afraid he would have to do this and he didn't want to. So as soon as this happened, year is ready to go and already on him. And he's just like, wait, 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 no, I don't want to do this. So he's just backing up. He just doesn't want to fight, but we know that that's Lyndon. That's, that's what his personality showed the whole book that he didn't want to have to fight. And it took him a little while to finally accept that. Yeah, and that's that's part of why I think he might be able to get in on a technical disqualification is because he was able to stand up to Yaren for so long, even well, her honestly, displaying the sword icon. It was just so. a coin flip. This is this is the quintessential anime scene where you got two opposing parties fighting each other. You think they're both equal, and then all of a sudden it, it fades to black, fades to white, whatever you want to do, and then you're like, okay. Who's dead? Who do we see when, when the, the screen zooms back in? Because it's not really a show of Yearn was so much better that she obviously won, or Lennon was so much worse that he obviously lost. It was who did the author or the showmakers in the anime decide to have win this fight? And then you see it's Yearn's alive and Lennon's dead. Yes. But I, I want to push back. I agree with almost everything you said except for the okay. coin flip part. Except for the coin flip part. Okay. And, and you're right. Obviously, the author makes the choice, et cetera. He's writing the book, right? Right. But um, what we know with Yaren is that she advances through struggle. Through, yes. I mean, like she has to like have a moment of I'm going to actually lose before she has her breakthroughs. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened here. She was able, she touched the sword icon, right? Yeah. Because of, 
not in spite of, but because of the fight with Lyndon, right? Mm -hmm. And I think as long as the relative power levels stay the same, her skill will beat his talent. I mean, for Lyndon to advance beyond where Yaren is, he has to become a comparable level of skill. And I know that's an old horse I've been beating, but to me, that was the lesson from that fight, is that all things being relatively equal, skill will trump talent. I, I don't, yeah, I don't 100% agree, but I do understand where you're coming from, and that I understand. Okay. okay. Right. Um, how did you guys feel about the very small uh, Lyndon Mercy romance tease? I, much as I appreciate it being put in a little bit, I really hope it doesn't move forward, as I'm still all, bo- all aboard Lyndon and Yaren getting together eventually. In the books, perhaps, probably not, but we'll see. Any thoughts, you guys? Eridandis? Okay, I I like Yiren better as a character. Like Yiren's my favorite character in the mm-hmm. books. Like I like I'm Team Yiren like all the way. I hope <laughs> she wins on Crown Tournament. Like I, I like, I'm huge Team Yiren. But in terms of personality, Mercy's a much nicer person. Like oh, overall, yeah. like yeah. Mercy's a pretty cool person, right? So Lyndon will probably be much better off in his life with someone like Mercy. He's going to end up with Yiren probably, but I don't think Mercy's really interested in Lyndon, but. No, I don't Anyways, think so either. I'm going to go with Mer- Mercy's a better person, but um, Yaren's a better character. Okay. Yeah, Mercy's nice. She's she's like the awesome friend that'll help you out with everything. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I I thought it was really funny when Lyndon accidentally offers to build a house with Yaren with their <laughs> skyships. He's like, "Hey, you want to just combine our our uh, skyships? We'll get one super big skyship." Yeah, and then he nice realizes thing. what he said, and she's like, "Uh, I just meant, you know." <laughs> We could just, because we're always together anyway, and he just keeps digging himself that hole. Yeah, <laughs> They're both, funny. like, super embarrassed at the end <laughs> of it. Uh, I love those kind of moments. They're just, I know they're fluff, and they're not really that important, but, I mean, whew, I love them. They're just so fun, so. No, and I, and I did like that, that her pride was like, yeah, fine, he's a good fit for you. Oh, so this was your motivation the whole time. Okay. Yeah, that's why you hated him so much. Yeah. <laughs> okay, got it, got it. Um, all right, did you guys want to say anything else about the tournament, or should we just move on to Abaddon uh, Space Cop situations? Um, well, I know you, you said you didn't like the, uh, the second round, because the second round we have what is essentially capture the flag, or I'm sorry, no, it's actually it's more like um, King of the Hill, yeah. where you have a crown, yeah. and we whittled down from the first round to 64, so now they're like, okay, so now we got teams... Who's the best team is basically what this round is. So you didn't like this? What did you not like about it? Uh, I liked, yeah, I liked the premise and the thought of it. If it was teams going in, the parts mm-hmm. I didn't like was there were a couple of things that felt like inconsistencies to me. You have to wear the crown for a full minute before right. you get teleported off. Now, I liked that Yaren, or that Lyndon's plan was to force uh, Sofaratoth off the island by giving her a crown, right? I, I mean, right. that's a good plan. That was a good idea. Mm-hmm. But what didn't I didn't like about that is that he puts the crown on her, she kills him, and then like ten seconds later, it feels like she's teleported out. You know, not it didn't feel like we're fighting for our lives. We have to hold out a minute. It okay. felt like oh, she put the crown on, bam, she's gone. So you so know what I mean? Inconsistencies in the time for how he wrote it, right? Okay. Just that part that's of right. it, and that's you know, and the normal, and then pride giving up his crown like yeah. I, yeah, it was nice but do i really see pride doing that just because linden saved his life once saved I, yeah, his life i also don't think so either 
So that part threw me. The rest of it was really nice. Ethan, of course, sandbagging and being like, oh, I took a hit. Darn, like, I guess I'll have to wait and find another crowd. And, you know, those parts were fine. Uh, I just didn't like it as much because of those two smaller inconsistencies. That's just smaller. So So I I would say a little bit, I took a little bit of a different message from the pride giving up the crown to Lyndon because I don't think it was because, I do not think it was because Lyndon sacrificed himself to save pride. I do not think it's that. I think it's because Pride sat there and thought, if the positions would have been re- would have been reversed, I cannot have held out as long as Lyndon. Lyndon did a much better job at defending me than yeah. I would have been had the positions been reversed. I think that was the point where Pride recognized Lyndon's just better. Lyndon's yeah. got more talent than I do. I made more strength. skills. Yeah. Yep. I think it was. I think it was a pure because at the end of the day. Pride cares about the Akura family, and I think that's why he gave it up to London. To yeah, me, Leroy that, Jenkins learned that day that he was like, you know what, maybe I shouldn't jump in all the time. This guy's slightly better than me because of that. Yep. But yeah. he never admitted, so. No, and those, yeah, that makes sense, too. So I just, when I was reading it, I was like, eh, eh, little, just a little bit I, of uh, kickback for me. Mm-hmm. Totally get it. Totally get it. My prediction, uh, Yaren is the winner of the tournament. Okay. Winning. Yeah. Before we go to space, I think she wins the Uncrowned Tournament, and the reason for that is found in the name of the book. The book is called Winter Steel. Right. Uh, we learn from the Winter Sage that the swords that uh, the Sword Sage has and she has mm-hmm. are made from Winter Steel. It is. And there's some type of connection between that and the Sword Sword Force and all that. Mm-hmm. So it's my theory, and we know that. Um, Sword Sage made it to the round of eight, so Yaren wants to advance beyond where the Sword Sage did. She's got the determination, the ability, the, the plot armor. <laughs> um, it's true as to, well. Yeah. Uh, to, uh, uh, to, to win the tournament, and if anyone's going to win the tournament and not give a damn about pendants, it's Yaren. So. I was going to say, who, do, who, she, who does she choose to kill with the, yeah. the unkillable, the unstoppable kill? I think if she has it, she can choose not to use it as a measure of protection for her and Linden. So if anybody tries to come after us, you're dead meat. Gotcha. Just so I'm just going to save it. That yeah, preemptive, okay. preemptive defense. Okay, right, Chesky, who do you think is going to win then? Uh, oh, geez. We don't really know who is left. We know that well, Ethan is in. We know Ithan? that Yaren. Mm-hmm. Ithan, Ithan is in. Yaren is Sofara. in. Mercy so far. I don't think so far is going to win. I don't think any okay. of the dragons will win. I think it's going to come down to Ithan, Mercy, Yaren, or Zielm. Okay. And, and I, what about the, the Nine Soul or Nine Cloud Monarch? No, she's think, disqualified think she's on a technicality. He, he says disqualified. He says yeah, I have to choose that she's disqualified so my boy Lyndon gets in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I don't think she can, I, I think even if she did win, it wouldn't be a true win because. She's yeah. a monarch playing in an underlord, which is just oh, fundamentally different. It definitely would be a true win. Yeah. Definitely not. So, and, and, for what it's, and for what it's worth, I think Ithan is voluntarily losing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I would agree I, with, with that. With the yeah. revelation of the penance, I don't, I don't think he will. So I think it's going to come down to an, an Ithan versus Ziel fight. And I think it'll be pretty intense because Ziel needs to get his Madra fixed. Mm-hmm. And Ithan wants to kill the... Uh, the Reagan Shen. And yeah. ZL also wants to kill Reagan Shen and the Storm Court sage who messed up his meridians. Yeah, he's got he's got a grudge. The dude is so, he's not happy. 
So I, I, I think I think ZL will go all the way, and I, it'll either be him or or Ithan, from what mm-hmm. I know at the end of the book. Okay. So all right, let's talk space cop. So That's right. A uh, little, little bit of a recap. We see Machiel follow the angler in a high def, I am you kind of a situation. He sees her steal some scythes that are prototypes to match Osriel's scythe, and then she sells them to the Mad King. And the Mad King tests his power, destroys a couple worlds, getting ready for a final assault on Abaddon. And Macchio is not cool with that, and he's not cool with sacrificing all the other iterations just to save a handful. Surprisingly, so, yeah. So, yeah, this is where you see a good part of his character. Like, you know, maybe we shouldn't have advanced as far as we did, but, like, we did, so we have to protect everybody. We can't just retreat and hurdle up. Right. So, <laughs> what? We know that the the Vrochir, they collect worlds. Mm-hmm. So they go in, they steal a population, basically, they take all the natural resources, and then they just kind of abandon it. Now, what's their goal? Are they just the bandits of uh, interspace, traveling around, capturing things for their own gain? Do they have a bigger goal? They just prefer chaos? What are you guys' thoughts? I just don't know. Is it a Rafo solution? Uh, I'm going to Rafo just because we get so few scenes that I'm confusing which one's in which book, so I don't want to accidentally spoil anything. Uh, Aerodanus, what do you think? You know, so I think it just depends on uh, what's your method to your madness. Do you prefer to have the Abaddon way where everybody kind of grows in their own way and kind of you proliferate more of a a freedom to, to choose type of your own path type of way? Or is it more controlling, authoritarian? I'm going, I know best, so I'm going to choose the best parts of your society. What I think are the best and put it together to form a more perfect world. I think those are the differences between the Abaddon versus the Brochure, in my opinion. Okay, okay. I don't know, what do you think? Well, geez, what do I think? I think that the Brochure are mainly focused on just improving themselves and using other people to do that, where the Abaddon, you know, grow with others, but it's more through a recruitment type style, a recruitment style of growing stronger and better. Uh, the Abaddon don't really interfere in the lives of people. Like, if you're in an iteration, unless something bad happens, like in the beginning of Unsold, or your world is getting attacked by a Chaos Shard, then they don't really interfere until it's time for, like, individuals to advance, and then they give them that option. So I think the Vrochir are are much different in that they actively take a huge role. You know, they're forcing, they're fighting, they're stealing from them. They don't seem to have any respect for, like, what appears to be, from our position, like a lawful and healthy community of the Abaddon. You know, they, they grow, they live. We don't see any, like, big conflicts. There's not like, oh, yeah, here we are in Abaddon, the most ruthless sector of the inter- you know of our, our galaxy. Lots of crime, lots of poverty, lots of destruction here. You know, everybody seems to be relatively happy and, like, okay, right? They don't seem to be too harsh. Uh, Machiel and his tempting fate, obviously, is a little harsh, where he's like, oh, you messed with fate. I got to reset it. But that's more like, well, I got to keep the universe on track, right? Versus letting it just kind of people change it how they will. So mm-hmm. I think, I don't, I think they're, well, and the fact that the Mad King goes and destroys four worlds to test his scythe just because, right? I mean, that's, he's not doing it because, oh, I have a bigger threat on my side. He's like, yeah. I'm going to attack the Abaddon, who so far been peaceful, you know? Well, I mean, not to them necessarily, but like in general, they're not like an anti-war 
I'm going to go murder all the Vroshir just because we can. They're more defensive. This is the first, I believe, this is the first book that we get where we've seen the Vroshir before, but this is the first time where we've had something outside of Cradle that wasn't an Abaddon perspective. So it's nice to see that, you know, the Abaddon's not perfect, but also the Abaddon was our only perspective before. They could have been the bad guys and we would we would not have known. And I was kind of going for that theory where um, Arrow was mentioning, where maybe the cradle robbing team is going to be anti-Abaddon. I don't know. Because we weren't getting anything but the Abaddon perspective. What do you think, uh, Era? So, uh, well, I have actually two questions. Uh, mm-hmm. Both both maybe Raffo, uh, so they'll, they'll maybe be Dachesky or not. So, okay. um, first book, the the guy who came down from uh came down in the middle of the first tournament and unsold and uh-huh. Ripplington's hit off in serial reset time. Yeah. Is that guy of Rochier? As of as far as I know, no. That's not made clear. Or it, if it is, we don't learn that until later. Yeah. Okay. It's about him in general though, because apparently he was part of that clan. So how yeah. did he get to gold enough to ascend if he was in Sacred Valley the whole time? Well, like Osriel, the same thing. Like Osriel, not that he was from Sacred Valley, but this could have been thousands of years ago before even Sacred Valley was the oh, script. Oh, okay, I guess something. that's true. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Second question, Eric. Okay, second question. So there's an Abadan or mm-hmm. an ascended person who is talking to his presence to get information about um, Cradle as the story goes along. Yeah. Who is that per- I have a theory, but who is that person? I don't know either. What what is your theory? What are you thinking? I think it's Osriel. Okay. That's what because I think. I was like, yeah. He's keeping tracks on, on, on the people he wants to form his team when they when they ascend. Right. If he's giving out his little orb of uh, memories to his ancestors or whatever, his line technically, on Cradle, I think he would check in occasionally, especially because I don't believe he's dead. I'm just a fan. Of, I don't think he's dead. So I think he would check in once in a while and see what's going on. But Especially he, if fate's being intervened in Cradle. If he's not dead, is he incapacitated to the point where he wouldn't be able to do that? I don't... I mean, you'd have to be basically dead for someone like Dross or a Presence to not be able to function with you, right? Or unless that's removed. I don't that's, know. At so, least that's my opinion. Yeah. So this is either one of two things. Either he's in captivity, right? That, that's one theory. Okay. Or he, faked, or he faked his own death. I think faking, but I think there's got to be a reason that we don't know yet why he yeah. would do it on that scale. Yeah, my I think he faked his death, but I'm just putting it out there that there is the potential that he was captured and kind of being held. But by who? Obviously, okay. it doesn't seem like the Vrosheer have that capability because he's basically the strongest of the Abaddon, you know, mm-hmm. just physically. I mean, just like he is. Right. Um, I always just kind of thought it was Suriel still doing that. Um, in the first couple books, it's her doing her little checkup, and it's not even like she really cares that much, but she saw the potential, and so she just keeps following up on him. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that was my thought as well. Just oh, it's serial, just keeps keeping that check in. Although we did not see Space Doctor this book at all; it was all Space Cop Macgill. So I have another question. Since we're talking tangent, this is a Let's tangential question. After this, but since mm-hmm. we're talking about presences and everything like that. And Dross is the closest thing, or either he's an actual presence or the closest thing we have to a presence that's been created on Cradle. Right. That's what um, it is. So that second part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And North Strider has his presence, or you know, he's he's made he's made something that yes. that he thinks is better than what he would have made on Ghostwater. 
Right. So um, this is me brainstorming as, as we were as we were talking. Sure. What are your thoughts? I'm going to chesky this because it's probably a rat to you. Okay. What if um, Northstrider wants to see more, discover more about drops, and the only way to do that is to put Linden under stress, and the only way to do that is to get him back in the Uncrowned Tournament? I would love it. <laughs> that fits his theory. Uh, you just gave him more fits, ammunition. That fits my theory. That fits everything. I I am worried, though, that... well. I'm both worried and not worried because as a monarch, North Strider is like, he wants to know. So let's say he learns all about Dross. He says, okay, you know, I soaked a mind, a mind construct in Dream Madra for 50 years to 100 <laughs> years. I give it some of these things, some ghost water, you know, bam, I have a better presence, right? Because his is a lower, his is like the highest quality, but it's still a lower quality than Dross, right? Well, so, yeah, we so don't know that. I understand. Do we know that? Uh, yeah. I feel like I know it, okay. but okay. <laughs> at the but time, whether it's... It, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's but it, whether it's one hundred percent confirmed, it's not really. But the fact he, that uh, Dross yeah. has a personality, though, and I feel like that taints perspective on uh, the relationship with Linden and then what North Strider's presence is, because, like you said, fifty years in a dream well, Dross is now basically a uh, an entity. It's it's almost not like a person, but. It's a it's a being. It's like an AI, whereas yeah. North Striders and everybody else's presence, Serials, Azrael, Machiel, everybody out there, they all have ones without personalities. Whether that's well, by I design. Felt like, I felt like Serials had a personality, but it was kind of more of a, a subservient personality and kind of just like, hey, like, are you sure you want this information? Like, okay, here you yeah. go, I'll give it to you. So the personality was just hidden because they were like on duty. So that was my interpretation of it. Is Dross going to become a problem once Linden ascends? Because it seems like everybody else doesn't have personality. Is it going to be a benefit or a disadvantage to Linden that his presence has a personality? I think it'll be a, a bonus. But to answer Era's question, I think I see two ways. I see either Monarch being like, or Northstrader being like, oh, it's only 50 years. I've got another 50 years. I'll just create another dream well. I'll create another thing to stick it in. I don't need all the scientists. Or he'll try and steal Dross. That's what I was gonna say. I don't wanna I don't wanna spoil right. anything for Rafa, but what if he just like ripped him out? Yeah, exactly. So Dross I don't do I would prefer that he go the, the time one because as a monarch he's got lots of time. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid he'll go the rip trying to rip Dross out and whether that works or not will be So uh good points. But uh, so what do we know about North Strider's personality? What do we know right now? I don't think we've seen any indication that he's deliberately hostile to to people, unless they like you know, unless you're a dragon or something, right? Like, yeah, he has a vendetta against dragons. Yeah, I mean, aside from dragons, he's I mean, he's more indifferent to people than he is actively hostile. Um, and we know at least from from his creation of the Ghostwater facility that he's at least an intellectually curious person. Like, he wants to be able to figure things out. Which leads me to believe that he's at first going to try to find out as much as he can about Dross from Linden okay. without necessarily trying to forcibly take it from from Linden. It just it doesn't match the personality we, we've seen to date. Yeah, okay. I, I agree. And I think that he would definitely, Northstrider would definitely kind of take that position of, hey, I left it for anybody to reap any rewards. You reap the rewards. I'm not going to take it from you. But this is something he's been really wanting for a while, is the like really enhanced memory spirit. So that 
that temptation might be there. But I agree with you. He's more of the intellectual, kind of an indifferent, nothing really bothers him except dragons. Yeah, and I, and I would say this. He's going to be a little bit more like Aiken of, you did something that surprised me that was unexpected. How did you do this? I need to figure this out. So mm-hmm. that, that's, at least to me, uh, we can learn more about his personality that makes me completely wrong. But to date, what we know, that's what leads me to believe that, that he would probably fall more on that end than, than to forcibly take it from Lyndon. Yeah. Perfect. All right. I think, okay. I think unless anybody else has anything else we have, they want I, to talk about. I think about. I have one or two more questions, and we can end with some bloopers if you want. Okay, yeah, that's perfect. Hit, hit us okay. with your questions. So we have... Uh, t- okay, here's my we- answer. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> Yaren wins the tournament, or Ethan. We, the good guys win, but the dragons yeah. attack anyway. There you go. That's oh, my answer. <laughs> like a true dragon. Uh-huh. All like, right, so- uh, well, yeah, the king of dragons still attacks no matter what. Here's two last questions. I think actually these were yours. It's the Winter Sage adopted mom for Yaren. Do you think that's going to develop any further? Do you think it's going to, there's more strain in the relationship? What do you think is going to happen there? Um, I think there'll be a lot of strain because Yaren really doesn't like the Winter Sage. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the Winter Sage really does like Yaren. Even though the, the Sword Sage died, I think that the Winter Sage will try and become a teacher for Yaren at the very least. And I think they could develop that that adopted mom kind of personality almost because Yaren's never had anything like that. And the winter sage and the sword sage were pretty close, which we, you know, we know. Yeah. And just like her feelings that we get from her little point of views, you know, it, it felt really similar to me. So that's kind of like a, a mini hope for me. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen, but it'd be nice to see something like that. Okay. Yeah. What do you think? The, win- the winter sage as developed is an unstable personality. Like is 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 an extremely unstable personality, or uh, in D and D terms, she's chaotic neutral, right? I mean, um, you just don't know how she's going to react because it just depends on her emotions at the moment. So, mm-hmm. um, in a reasonable universe, based on the information we have, she could just as much uh, have an abusive relationship with Aaron, an emotionally abusive one, as as a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think the jury's out as to whether the Winter Sage is an ultimate enemy to Yaren, as opposed to an ally to Yaren. Um, so, so, uh, go ahead. Jesse. Yeah, oh, I just to say, I saw, I think we saw a little bit of, of softening. In the beginning, she was very kind of antagonistic towards Yaren. How yeah. dare Yaren take him to where he's, he died? How dare she accept his remnant? You know, like, this was my, basically, husband. You know, this really hurts me. But I think near the end, when she sees, like, the level of connection Yaren had to the Sword Sage and her ability, she starts softening. Maybe a little bit, maybe it's not enough, but I think we go from like a hard edge to a, a softer edge. Whether it's soft enough, I don't know. I agree with you on that. There could still be that potential. But I think we see a small softening towards Yaren at the very least. Okay. Alright, I think uh, actually that is all the questions. We hit them all. So if you want, we can go over one or two bloopers that right, I had... uh, Will White kindly put in. Yeah, I had one. Can I say this before? Because I want to let you guys do your bloopers. I just want to say this from a, uh, just from, I I really love the idea of an author deliberately putting in, here are things that like, you know, I'm putting in as deliberate jokes or these are things I literally took off the editing room floor because they weren't going to fit in and just throwing them in at the end of the book. I think it's absolutely hysterical. Hat tip to you, Mr. White. That's well done. Go ahead, guys. 
It's it's a great concept. I really wish that more authors took his stance because they get a chance to be silly, but they don't have to shoehorn it into like their narrative if it doesn't fit, which is nice. Um, so. I also I like one part about the bloopers that is good that I think is specific to this set of bloopers is <laughs> or others is just him being like him addressing people's concerns without actually addressing them in the book specifically. Exactly. Um, Yaring, you know, we in the one yes. of the bloopers is Yaring asking how a bunch of jades killed the sword sage and being like, Oh, I wonder why no one's asked that before. And he's like directly putting it in people's minds, like, Yes, I wonder why no one's asked that. Like, I'm not an idiot. Like, I had a plan. Like, uh -huh. I know what's going on. You know, just him being able to like forcibly push back to the community that reads his books without being like rude about it. Where he's oh, yeah. like, He's being fun. Yeah, where it's like, Hey, I know. That like this is a common question you guys have, <laughs> like, oh no, I've you know like it, it's funny. He put way he pokes fun at it. So definitely uh, solution. Uh, what was one of your favorites? That one. Okay, so then I have here's a fan favorite of the subreddit. I'm not the necessarily the biggest fan of it, but Little Blue instead of Yaren as the fighter as the the switching matchup at the end there, and then she pulls out a knife and charges Lyndon. I was like, that's interesting. Okay, that's kind of funny, silly. That's cool. Uh, I think but the yeah, kicker... it's not like the funniest one. No, it's okay. But the Goku one is Fury. <laughs> because I, Fury in my mind, until the end of this book, when I read this book, I was like, Fury reminds me of somebody who was itching at my brain. And I, I didn't remember. I was like, who does he remind me of? And then he did the Kamehameha. And I was like, oh, I'm an idiot. Of course it's Goku. And now I can't see anything but Goku as Fury. Also, like that he stops at the middle and he's like, hey, don't say any more of that. We're going to get sued. Like. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Blair, it's a great fun scene. Poking, so. Great scene. Eric, did you read the bloopers? I did. I did read the bloopers. I mean, okay. and, but like, yeah, you guys love these bloopers, so I want to like <laughs> let you guys like have your moments. Whereas to me, what I would say is, as opposed to picking one blooper, to me, kind of like what carries me through these books is the author's very. He definitely has a well-developed sense of humor, and mm -hmm. um, it's. Look, it's a really hard thing to to write an action story um, or a a story that's supposed to be serious, um, and then just insert jokes, whether they're meta cultural jokes for the moment or just right. jokes in general. And this is really one of this author's strengths: is that he is really, really good about keeping it light, keeping it humorous, and he does it. In the, the blooper reel is kind of like his time to really kind of like emphasize his sense of humor. So. Um, that's what really gets me through these books is like, I'm actually waiting for that, that meta moment in every book where he's kind of like, here's my joke. And yeah. he, he, he always does it well. And it's never very, it's never forced. Yeah. I like it. He's definitely developed as a writer compared to book one and even as other series as well. Great. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, I think that's going to be everything for us, right? I'm all good. You're all good. Okay. Well, uh, I guess that's going to end it for us. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to us talk about Uncrowned, the sixth book in the Cradle series. Uh, thanks, Eric, for being on here with us. Thanks, Solution, for being on here with us. You know, Thanks, Craig, for letting us kind of start off this spinoff podcast where we can cover books that the main Legendarium crew can't get to. Uh, of course, you can always find us on the Legendarium's Discord or Reddit. I know Craig's very active on tweeting, so you can find him there. Uh, we will be back soon with the eighth book and final so far, Winter yes. Steel. It'll be good. We'll get to so many predictions. So many predictions because none of us will know what happens after that. 
We're all going so to get into it. Is that going to be where you guys are going to make fun of me? Not that you no, guys no. haven't already, but... No, you're you're oh. going to get some answers. Chessie's going to get some answers. I'm not going to get any answers because I read this. Here. But from here on, we're going to all be in this together. It's going to be really cool. That, that's cool. I have one more thing before we sign off. Yeah. Chesky, what is the one thing you're most looking forward to, to finding out in Winter Steel? The, oh, probably about Sacred Valley. Okay. I, think I want to find out the most about Sacred Valley and the Curse and Orthos and the Labyrinth slash Maze there. Mm-hmm. Second would be Abaddon stuff, and then third would be kind of future politics of Cradle. Okay. Cool. cool. All right. All right, everybody. Thanks again, and we'll see you guys in the next episode. Goodbye.